Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning everyone. Absolutely fantastic to see everyone this morning. So feel free this morning to make a little bit of noise we're a little bit quiet, so maybe if I say something that you think, yeah, that's good, you can give me a nod, or you can give me a smile, or you can give me a wave, as Cam was talking about. Um, but it's great to be here this morning, and it's great to have the opportunity just to bring the message that I feel God has put on my heart this morning. And uh, my message this morning is called best before and I'll come on to unpack that in a in a few moments what that means but um, a question for us all this morning as I start I wonder if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you think this is for a limited time only I'm only in this certain situation or this certain place just for now. It's definitely not going to last forever and it might not even last for a very, very long time. It's just for now. It might be you found yourself in a job where you think this is just for now. Maybe you're living in a certain house or a certain location where you think this is just for now. Maybe you've even got a relationship, whether it's a friendship, um, you know somebody, and as good as it might be, you know actually it's just for now. That person might be moving on. My life might be moving on. It's just for now. We can find ourselves in places and situations that we know are just for now, just for a limited time only. Now, the other day, I was clearing out my cupboards at home. I don't know if you ever find yourself doing the same job. And I have what the children call the baking cupboard. Not that I bake that often. Occasionally, probably twice a year, I might bake. And in there, I've got baking powder, bicarbonate of soda, because my mum always says I should have that in the house. Flour, plain, self-raising, wholemeal. And every now and again, I'll go in and I'll have a look through the cupboard. And sometimes I'll find things that are still in date. But occasionally... I'll find a little cheeky thing like baking powder that's six months past the best before date. And what do I do? I keep it in the cupboard and shut the door and think, we'll be all right for a little bit longer. We'll get around to throwing that out one day. And the truth is, we have a lot of things in our kitchen and at home that have got expiry dates and that have got best before dates. And what does a best before date mean? Well, just to keep it nice and simple, a best before date means if we eat that product before 
the best before date, it should be and it's premium quality. So it should taste the freshest, smell the nicest, look the nicest. It should be the very best. It should be ready to eat now and we should enjoy it. Now, some of you will know, particularly if you were here a few weeks ago when I spoke on being enthusiastic, that I am a fan of Aldi. Friends, since that message, Felix is now a friend of Aldi. Aren't you, Felix? I promise Aldi are not paying me. Although I do like the Aldi branch in Leamington, it's very good. I am a fan of Aldi. And one of the things I like the most about Aldi is the fresh fruit. And it's the first aisle, isn't it? You come into in Leamington. So you go past the cereal. I'm like, yeah, quickly the cereal. Get to the fruit. And then I'm there for ages. And I go down the aisle and I'm like, red grapes, green grapes, kiwis, melons, apples, bananas, oranges. And I fill the trolley, and then I wonder, hang on a minute, what am I going to do with all the other food I've now got to get in the trolley and crush the grapes? But I love the fresh fruit at Aldi, and I take it home. Maybe like me, you might have a fruit bowl or a platter, and I like to put it out, and then I stand there, and I admire the fruit. And Dave comes into the kitchen looking for the chocolate bars. And I say, Dave, have you seen the fruit? Dave, I've got grapes. You like grapes. Eat grapes. They're good for you. Dave, I've got apples. Eat apples. Because I love the fruit. But see, the thing is, and you may have had this experience too, the fruit's great. But after, say, two, three, four days You've really got to start tucking into that fruit and eating it because it's got a short life on it. There's not a best before date tagged to the fruit, but you know, if I really want to enjoy that fruit, I've got to eat it before it starts turning, before it starts going off. My beautiful purse from Aldi. Sometimes I've left them in that bowl just a bit too long and I go to eat the pear and I'm like, no, I should have ate this two days ago. It's gone past the best before. It doesn't taste as nice. It's a bit soggy and I'm not really enjoying the pear because the fruit is ready now. And on those days where it's ripened up and it's fresh, then, now is the time to eat all my fresh fruit so I can fully enjoy it. And this morning, we're just going to be unpacking the thought over these next few minutes that we have all got a now. You have got a now. I have got a now. See, we all know, don't we, that yesterday whether it was good or whether it was terrible, it's gone. It's gone. We're never going to get it back. Whether we love it or hate it, it's gone. And tomorrow, it's not yet here. 
And the reality is, friends, none of us really know if we're ever going to get into tomorrow. I don't want to sound morbid, but we don't necessarily even know if we're going to meet tomorrow. And we haven't got yesterday, but we've got now. We've got now. We've got this moment. We've got today. And I'm going to take us on a, a little journey over the next few minutes where we're going to be looking at a character in the Bible who decided to take hold fully of their now, to fully grasp their now. And we're going to be looking at a story of a woman called Esther. And in fact, she has a book called After Her, called the book of Esther. And just to give us a little bit of background to Esther, just in case some of us may not be too familiar with Esther, I'm going to paint the picture of the story of Esther. So the story of Esther happened about 500 BC. And there was a king reigning at the time called King Xerxes. And he was the king of Persia, who we now know as Iraq and Iran. Now, King Uxis knew how to party. He loved parties. He loved banquets. In fact, his banquets would last several days. And the Bible in the book of Esther tells us that one time, King Uxis had a banquet that lasted several days of eating, drinking, entertainment. And on the seventh day, King Uxis summons his queen, Queen Vashti. Now, Queen Vashti, the story tells us, was very beautiful. So King Uxis said, bring my queen to me. I want to display her and show all my officials how beautiful my queen is. The message went to Queen Vashti, come down to the banquet. And the story tells us that Queen Vashti said, no, I'm not coming to the banquet. Pause. You don't say no to a king. Even if you don't want to do something, you say yes, of course. Bad decision. The king was obviously extremely angry. And Queen Vashti was banished from the kingdom. The king is angry. The king has to calm down. They probably give the king more food and drink to calm him down. After a while, the king's officials come to him and say, Look, King Xerxes, we've got an idea. You need to find a new queen. So we're going to go on a hunt through the land and we're going to find all the beautiful, young, virgin women. We're going to bring them all to your palace and they are going to get ready for 12 months to meet you. And then, after you've seen all these beautiful women, you're going to choose who you want to be, your queen. Now, Dave moans at me, getting ready for church... I want to take a few minutes. 12 months. They were going to get these women ready. That's serious makeup. That's serious hair problems. 12 months. Now, 
amongst that huge group of women was found to be a young woman by the name of Esther. Esther was an orphan. She had no mom and dad. And she'd been raised by her very kind cousin, Mordecai. Esther was very beautiful. So she was, of course, included in that band of women who went off for 12 months to get ready. And the story in the Bible tells us that when the king saw Esther, he loved her more than all the other women, and he made her his queen. So now Esther, a little orphan girl, who was a Jew, very important, we'll come back to that in a moment, finds herself a little bit like rags from riches. Wow, I'm the queen. I've got maids. People do my hair. People bring me food. I put on royal robes. Wow. Rags to riches. Queen Esther. So everything is going well for Esther. Esther was a Jewish girl. However, she told no one of her roots in the palace. No one knew she was a Jew. Her cousin had said, tell no one you're a Jew. Things are going well. Esther's queen. But one day, suddenly, things take a change. Mordecai, Esther's cousin, hears of a plot by a man called Haman, a king's official, who says, I am going to make sure all the Jews in this land are killed. One reason or another, he didn't like Mordecai. He therefore didn't like the rest of the Jews and he wanted to wipe them out of the land and kill them, annihilate the entire Jewish population. Mordecai desperately sends a message to Queen Esther, asking her, begging her, Esther, Esther, you've now got to do something. A decree had already been made by the king and signed that all the Jews were going to be completely wiped out. And this is the point where we're going to jump into the story this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Esther chapter 4. It will be coming up on the screen as well, from verse 10 to verse 17. And we're going to be reading Esther's reply to Mordecai. So Mordecai has urged Esther, Esther, you've got to do something. You've got to go to the king. Otherwise, the entire Jewish nation are going to get killed. So here's what Esther says. Then Esther told Hakath to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. The whole world knows that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him in more than a month. So Hakath gave Esther's message to Mordecai. We're just going to pause there. So... How it would have worked in the palace is you would not have gone to the king unless he summoned you. It didn't matter that Esther was queen, that she was his wife. 
she would only go to the king if he summoned to see her. If someone made their way into the king's presence without permission, they could instantly be killed. Hung, tortured, whatever the king fancied. So Esther was saying here, look, king's not even called for me for a month. I'm his wife. He's not even seen me for a month. If I go there without being called, I could instantly be killed. One queen's already be banished. She's actually putting a whole life at stake. We're going to continue from verse 13. Mordecai sent back this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that you will escape there in the palace when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. What's more, who can say that you have been elevated to the palace for just such a time as this? Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. If I must die, I'm willing to die. So Mordecai went away and did as Esther told him. Wow, what a situation to be in. Just imagine you're Esther. You're enjoying all the luxuries of being queen, being in the palace. One message, one conversation changes everything. Now Esther's at the point where she's willing to even die, to stand on behalf of her relatives of her Jewish nation. You see, Esther finds herself in the right place at the right time. It's not by chance that she's got a pretty face and the king liked her. Actually, I believe God gave her her beauty. God gave her the opportunity to become queen. She was in the right place at the right time. I wonder if sometimes you find yourself in the right place at the right time. See, and in there, in verse 14, it's a beautiful verse. I wonder if we can get just verse 14 back on the screen, please. Mordecai says to her, what's more, who can say but that you have been elevated to the palace for such a time as this. You've been put there for such a time as this, Esther. You see, Esther was in her now. It was now time for Esther. It was now for such a time as this. See, this, that little four-letter word, 
implies now. It's this time. It's now. It didn't matter about Esther's past. It didn't matter she was a little orphan girl. And to be honest, tomorrow it wasn't even there and she didn't even know if she got tomorrow. But now, now, this time was Esther's time. Now was the day for Esther to make a huge decision, to put her neck on the line, as it were, because Esther had been called for such a time as this. You see, there she was in the palace, in a position of influence, and it was Esther's now. It was Esther's now. And friends, this morning, you and me, we're not Esther. We're not going back two and a half thousand years in time. But you've got a now. I've got a now. We've all got a now. We've all got a today. What does that look like? Well, for you, you might be a student. You might be a housewife. You might be a full-time parent. You might be in a full-time job. You might be retired. You might be sick and unable to do a lot at the moment. Whatever your now looks like, it's your now. And it's personal to you. Where does your now take you? on a day-to-day basis. Maybe your now takes you to work, the office, the factory, the shop. Maybe your now takes you to have a lot of contact with your next-door neighbours, the people in your street. Maybe your now takes you to the doctor's surgery, to hospital appointments. Maybe your now takes you to Aldi, to Asda, shopping, walking down the parade. You've got a now, and it will take you to different physical locations, but also you've got a now on the inside of you. What's your inward now? Where are you at now? Maybe there's people sitting here today, and your now is the fact that... You've, got, you've just got desires that have not yet been fulfilled. You've got things in you that you think, I'd love to have a go at that. I'd love to step out and go and talk to that person. I'd love to try that crazy idea that keeps coming back into my head. I'd love to just step out and do something. I'd love to have the courage like Cam to be a street pastor. What's your now? Your inside now. Maybe you're at a crossroads and that's your now. Maybe you've got some big decisions to make. A bit like Esther. I've got some decisions to make about my now. Maybe that's where your inward now is. Maybe your inward now is that you're bored. You've lost momentum. Everything's gone a bit like my pears from Aldi that are two weeks old. It's stale. It doesn't taste any good. Maybe God's saying, well, get ready for a new now. See, what's your now? This was Esther's now. Crunch time. 
decision time. But today, all these years later, we're the story. And you and me have got a now. You see, Esther's now had a best before date. It had a time limit. The message came to Esther with great urgency. You've got to go and see the king. Now Esther could have said, I tell you what, boys, come back in six months. I need time to sit down, chat to a few friends about this decision. I need to take my time. No. Esther's now came with a time limit. She had to act quickly. Hence she says, gather the Jews, fast and pray. And in three months, three weeks, no, three days, I'm going to go and see the king. It had a best before date. Her now sat in a window of time. And friends, your now and my now has got a time limit. It's got a best before date. What do I mean by that? Well, there may be opportunities that are in your life even now or that may come tomorrow or next week where you've got to resolve in your heart, I am going to take hold of this now, now. Because we know, friends, we're all old enough, aren't we? We've all been through enough things to know. Some opportunities come knocking at our door for a certain amount of time. We don't have all the time in the world and more. Some seasons that you're now in will never, ever come to you again. You're in a unique season of your life. The journey that you're walking now will never, ever repeat itself. The season you're in now is extremely unique. The opportunities that are sitting in your life now and are about to come into your life are for now, for a limited period of time. And friends, this is not to panic us or to send us into distress. But sometimes in the clear of the day, we have to make a decision. I'm going to take this opportunity because it may not come to me for a long, long time again, or it may never come to my life again. See, now has a time limit. See, your now, tomorrow, God willing we get there, is going to be different to your now, today. It's different. The season that you're in, the opportunities you've got, the people who you are influencing in your life, the things that God is stirring up in your heart, they're for now. They're for now, friends. And sometimes we've got to make the decision, I'm taking hold of now. I'm not playing around. I'm not messing around. I'm not going to say I'm going to wait for this time next year because I might feel better. Guess what? We'll get to this time next year and we still won't feel better. We still won't feel different. Like Cam said earlier, 
He was bricking it, but he still did it. He was bricking it, but he still did it. We're always going to feel scared sometimes to take a now opportunity. Always going to feel scared. You know what, friends? It's okay to feel scared. Everybody feels scared. Some people are just better than others at hiding it. Some of us tell everyone when we're scared. Some of us keep it on the inside, keep a lid on it. It's okay to feel scared. It's okay to feel inadequate. Hello, Esther. Did you feel scared? Of course she did. She told them. He could kill me for going into his presence without permission. Did she feel inadequate? Of course she did. She's a little Jewish orphan girl from rags to riches. Of course she felt inadequate. Who am I to save a nation? I haven't even had a mom and dad. If it wasn't for my cousin, she could have been out there just living in a box. Of course she felt scared. Of course she felt inadequate. Was there someone better she might have thought? Probably. She didn't know the rules of the palace. She didn't know all the political, well, if I do this and say that and then we'll get through that. She didn't know any of that. But in it all, Esther said, I'm going to take my now. Because just maybe my cousin Mordecai is right. Maybe I've been brought to the palace for such a time as this. See, when all was said and done, when the Jews had fasted and prayed for three days, in chapter 5 it says, let me read it because I love it. Three days later, she stuck to a word. She didn't ask for longer. She didn't dither around three days later. Esther put on, put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her holding out the gold sceptre to her. So Esther approached and touched its tip. Then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. I'd love to go into the rest of the story, but we haven't got time. But I encourage you, if you've got a Bible, read on from Esther chapter 5. In a nutshell, the little orphan girl from rags to riches made a decision to put on that robe, to take her now and to go and see the king. And an entire Jewish nation was saved from being annihilated. She saved those men, those women, 
those children, those babes. Why? Because she decided, I'm going to take hold of my now. I'm going to do what is in my power to do to save my people and to save my nation. You see, friends, that this is a challenging message. There's, there's no other way around it. I, I can't soften it. And if I soften it, I'm actually doing you and me a disservice. Because the challenge of it that goes out to all of us this morning is, what's your now? What's your now? Knowing that your now has got a best before date. It's not forever. Your now sits in a window of time. And thirdly, are you going to take a hold of your now? Are you going to take a hold of your now? See, it's easy, particularly in our Western society where we live our comfort and our luxury and there's nothing wrong with that it's easy to become too passive it's easy to think I'm taking time out I'm just going to relax I don't want the stress I don't want the strain I don't want the hassle it's easy to slow down to settle down and to sit down. And do you know what? That comes into our life so subtly. We can be slowing down, settling down and sitting down and not necessarily even realising. We can become passive. We can think, you know what? Oh, I'm just too busy. I'm not in the mood. There's someone way better than me to be telling people about Jesus and being on teams at church and, you know, that person down the road, way more experienced. I'm tired. I'm taking time out for six months. Then I'll come back next year. Friends, sometimes we have to take time out. That can be genuine health issues, etc. But if we're purely slowing down and taking time out from our now and pressing in, we start going on to dangerous territory. Because how about if we want, never want to come back in again? We get used too much to settling down, slowing down and sitting down. But this comes as a challenge for all, to all of us this morning. Are you going to take hold of your now? Are you going to take hold of the opportunities in your life? Are you going to make the most of the world that God's put you in? Of the people that you can influence? Of the God-given desires that God is stirring up within you? Of the giftings that are sitting in you, that are unique to you, that if you take the lid off those giftings and abilities, wow, wow, what a blessing, what a blessing, what an encouragement it's going to be to so many people. And you see, I look across this room and I thank God 
I see so many ages. I see it all, to be honest. Apart from the little children, I probably see us starting off in our early 20s, which is fantastic. And then I see us going all the way up into our nearly 90s. Absolutely tremendous. And friends, your now is regardless of your age. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether you find yourself at the very young end or the very old end, God has got a now for every single one of us. It doesn't matter if you're in your 80s, in your 50s, in your 20s. See, as long as you're alive and breathing and you've got a heart to serve God, God will say, you know what? I'm going to use you if you're 89. Why not? Why can't God use an 89-year-old? My Bible gives me no reason whatsoever to write people off at certain ages because an 89-year-old could have a now in their life that could influence the lives of many, many, many people. It's not about age. Let's get over this rubbish that the world tell us. It's about attitude and spirit. So I want to champion our older people. And I want to talk direct to you for a moment and say, God's still got a now for you. He's still got a now for you now. You may not be able to do a marathon. You may not be able to come in and clean the tops of the church. But where you are in your life, God's still got a now. There's many people that you know. Many relationships that you have. Many people that listen to you more than what you think. God's still got a now. Some of you, you still go to the post office, Aldi, the shops. God's got a now for you. He's got a now for you. He's got a now for all of us, regardless of our age. And see... I get excited about this next bit. When we ask God, God, use my now, God gives you moments. We're going to dwell here for a second. Moments. See, your now is made up of moments. We rarely have big celebrity show-stopping days in our life. Most of our lives are just normal. Anybody normal? Give me a wave. We all know normal. We understand normal. Our life is made up of normal. Timothy's nodding at me. Normal, normal. He's got his phone. Normal, normal. But when we give God and now, God says, okay then, I'm going to give you some moments because our nows are made up of moments. What does that mean? Well, God will give you a moment. Maybe you're in your workplace, you're in a break, you're chatting to a colleague. They may say something, they may share, Jude, it's tough at the minute, the wife's not well, we're not sure how long we're stopping here for, something's broke at home, not sure about Minnie. Moment. Jude could think, God, is this now? 
Have you given me a moment to influence this person, to bless this person, to encourage this person? And in a totally natural, non-weird, totally natural way, Jude can say, you know what? Thanks for sharing that with me. I'm going to pray about that. Is that okay with you? I'm going to pray about that at home. Maybe can I share that with Jensie, my wife? Can we both pray for you at home? And that colleague may turn around and say, that'd be great, Jude. I'd really appreciate those prayers. He took a moment. God's given him a moment. God is waiting to give you moments. You could be in a shop. And Dave knows this happens to me, and sometimes he'll walk off and leave me. And you may just see someone and start chatting. Natural. Because we're natural. We're not weirdos. We're natural. We're not meant to be weirdos. We're meant to be natural. And in that conversation, that person could say something. Again, you may have an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm a Christian. And I really believe that, that God actually cares about you. And that he actually wants the best for you. And I'm going to believe that that thing you've been telling me about, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right. It's going to be fine. That God's going to help you. A moment. A moment. And I promise you, friends, if you get serious and you say to God, God, I want to take my now. I want to take today. I want to make it count. God will give you moments and he'll give you opportunities and he'll open doors that you think, how on earth has this happened? And I'll tell you how. You'll go back in your mind and you'll remember today and you'll think it's because I have chosen to take my now. I've chosen to take hold of absolutely everything I've got. Just really quickly, my now in my world, it's compromised of different things. Obviously, church is a big part here. Life Community Church is a big part of my now. Also, my school my children go to is a big part of my now. I walk there six times a day. It's a lot of time to pray for you all. Six times a day. But most days, on a regular basis, I would say, God, use my now. Use my now. And every day, I walk into the playground, and I see the mothers, some dads, and the children, and I just think, wow, God, you really love these families. You really care about these mums. You really love these children. You see that some of them, they just need you. They don't even know it's you, but it's you that they need. And I always ask God, God, I don't want to go my best, past my best before. I don't want to lose my nows. And often, God will just give me moments to drop things into conversations. And one mum shared with me Friday something she was concerned about. And she said, I've not told anybody else, Leanne, but I thought I'd tell you. And I said, 
I'll pray for you about that. And she said, and that's why I decided just to tell you, because I knew that you prayed for me. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.